Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Praise God. Well, you know, I'm, I want to thank Pastor and Sister Phyllis for inviting us here to come and speak. You know, a lot of you, there's a lot of new faces here that I don't know. But uh, I don't know if he shared anything with you, but we used to, we, we came out of this church. Amen. You know, I mean... Uh, <laughs> We were here, and a lot of a lot of the older people here now, young adults, were little kids when we were here. We taught in Sunday schools and and things like that. So we kind of watched them grow up, and they watched us grow old. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, and then the Lord called us into the ministry, and uh, something I really didn't want to do. And I, I I even told him I said, Brother Kenny, be a lot better choice. And uh, he, he, he didn't want to hear anything about that. But anyway, so I thank you, Pastor, for having us here. We're just looking so forward to what the, the Lord's going to do this evening. I want to talk to you tonight. This message is entitled, The Real Battle. The Real Battle. What's, what's really going on? You know, there's relationships and if, I, if we could ask people in the street or even in the church, what's the most important relationship you have in your life? Well, if you're married, you'd probably say your, your wife or your husband, something like that. You know, you might say with your kids or something along those lines. But do you, did, you, did you know the most important relationship you have is with your Heavenly Father? Right. That's, the, that's the number one. Right. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But no man goes to the Father but through me. So the destination is the Father. He didn't point to himself. He said that no man goes to the Father but through me. So see, out of that, out of that revelation that you get from the Father comes everything in your life. That's why people struggle with a lot of things. They don't have peace. All right? They're sick. They're broke. Why? They, they've not developed that relationship. And I, I want to read to you. You don't have to go there on this one. Uh, there'll be some other scriptures we go to. Third John. I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified. Um, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Paul says this, he says, What we have seen and ourselves we heard, we are also telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And this fellowship that we have now, this fellowship he's talking about is with the Father. He says, this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of Christians. See, you talk to a Christian, you say, what's the Father telling you? Well, I don't know. What do you mean, what's he telling me? He didn't tell me nothing. I never heard you could talk to him. They don't teach that in my church. Because he's in the wrong church, You're in the wrong church. He says, and this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of Christians, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's a distinguishing mark. Because, like I said, out of that relationship comes everything in your life, your children's life, your grandchildren's life. And if you, if you teach people right, now they may not obey. You, you can't, 
You can't make them obey. But you can teach them the right thing. They've got it in them. Because when you show the, the incorruptible Word of God, it can't be corrupted. I don't care what the situation is going on in your, in your life. If you've sown that seed in them, it's an incorruptible one. It doesn't change. You can't look at what, what, how they're acting or what they're doing. You've got to go back to your relationship with the Father, what He's told you about the Word. Because out of that comes everything in your life. He'll tell you who to marry. He'll tell you where to work. Tell you what kind of car to get. Tell you what kind of home to buy, if you're interested. But you know what? Most people aren't interested. I'm just honest with you. I remember, speaking of that, um, I heard uh, a minister talking about years ago, wasn't that long ago, but in South America, they had a... uh, a big conference and ministers conference and they, and the ministers were all showed up there. And this one pastor was, was at the conference and Jesus showed up at the conference while they're all doing praise and worship. And he showed up and stood in front of this pastor. And he, this pastor looked around and nobody else saw him, but he saw him. And Jesus stepped and walked down the aisle and as he walked down the aisle, he looked at the pastors and he said, this is pastor so-and-so and so-and-so. They have a church in this city. They pastor about this many people. And they're not interested. And he went down the line and did this repeatedly. They're not interested. They're not interested. Then he came to one, he said, they're interested. But most of the people that he, that he approached, he said, they're not interested. What's it a reflection of? Relationship. Relationship's everything. Because it's that relationship that you have, that you go back on with the Father, that, that helps you in life make it through. That when the storm's raging around you, and the devil's lying to you and, and speaking to you, and it looks like the obvious is going to happen, but God's already said in His Word, no, it ain't. What are you going to believe? If you've got a relationship, you've got something to stand on. But without that relationship, you don't. So being interested is very important. Moses stood before Pharaoh. And he told him what God was saying. But Pharaoh's problem, he didn't recognize God speaking through a man to him. And he could have saved his entire kingdom, but he lost everything. Why? He didn't recognize God speaking to him. Like a lot of believers are today. They don't recognize God speaking to them through a man or a woman of God. They really don't. What do you say in the Bible? He said, my people are destroyed for two reasons. A lack of knowledge and they reject it. They reject it. I want to look at some scriptures to give you an idea of what Jesus, how Jesus got to where he was at. You know, we know that the Bible tells us that when he was a young, a young man, he grew in stature and favor with God and men. So he didn't know everything when he was born. What did he have to do? See, because Jesus is not asking you to do something that he didn't have to do. Right? He don't, he don't operate that way. 
So when he looked in the Word, there's some things that he saw. There's some things the Israelites, when they looked in the Word, they didn't see anything. As a matter of fact, open your Bibles to Isaiah 28. And we'll look there. We'll get started there. Amen. Isaiah 28. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm believing that you're going to get some revelation tonight. Somebody's going to get a revelation that changes their life. Changes everything. Not because of me, but because of Him and His Word. You see, He's put everything right here in the Word. If you'll take time to, to get into it. In Isaiah 28, God speaks to the Israelites. And He says here in verse 11, With, with stammering lips and another tongue will He speak to, to this people. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they wouldn't hear. They wouldn't hear it. Has things changed? No. Still the same. But as an old rock and roll song used to say, I thank God he's still the same. He don't change. He's still the same. So he says, you know, you wouldn't hear. Now, I want to read to you from uh, Isaiah 48 out of the Amplified, though. I like the Amplified because it really, what it says here is a lot clearer than the King James. We could read from the King James, but we'd have to take probably 20, 30 minutes to straighten everything out. Isaiah 48, verse 1 says, Hear this, O house of Jacob who are called by the name of Israel and who come forth from the seed of Judah, you who swear allegiance by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth and sincerity, nor in righteousness, rightness, and moral spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. Now, verse 3, it says, I have declared from the beginning the former things which happened in times past to Israel, they went forth from my, my mouth, and I made them known. Then suddenly I did them. Isn't that just how God is? Suddenly. I'm glad He's the God of suddenlies. And they came to pass, says the Lord. Verse 4, Because I knew that you were obstinate, and your neck was an iron sinew, and your brow was brass. Therefore, I have declared things to come to you from, the, from of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you. Sounds like he's communicating. These are people that did not have the Spirit of God living in them. We have the Spirit of God living in them. Yes, but he says he communicated it to them. He says, therefore, I have declared things to come to you of old before they came to pass. I announced them to you so that you could, you could not say... My idol has done them. My graven image and my molten image have commanded them. You have heard these things foretold. Now you see this fulfillment, and you will not bear witness to it. I show you specified new things from this time forth, even hidden things kept in reserve, which you have not known. They are created now, called into being by the, prophet, the prophetic word, and not long ago and before today, you have never heard of them, lest you should say, Behold, I knew them. Yea, 
you have never heard. Yes, you have never known. Yes, from the old, your ear has not been opened. For I, the Lord, knew that you, O house of Israel, dealt very treacherously. You were called a transgressor and a rebel in revolt from your birth. They wouldn't hear what God had to say. So that, that comes back into the importance of a relationship. When you're, not, when you're not working in your relationship with the Father, God says you're, you're, you're a rebel. Now, we're not going to go there, but in Proverbs 28, it says that, that if, if you don't look at the, uh, at the word of, uh, uh, of the law, which I know we're, we, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, but we, well, we could still pull that into the New Testament. If, if, we don't, if we don't look at the Word and let it take hold of us, it says your prayers are an abomination. Your prayers are abomination. In other words, they're not going to have an effect. Why? Because you don't, you don't listen to what God's saying. See, fellowshipping with the Father isn't just you telling Him everything you need. And I, I, know, I know I'm preaching to the choir here tonight, but you know, we still need to hear these things. Because a lot of people think, well, I pray to Father, all, I pray to the Lord all the time. Yeah, what's He tell you? Well, not much. That's because your prayers, all your prayers are that's going out, is you're telling Him what you need and what you want. You don't want to listen to anything that He says. You, you don't want to take correction. You don't want Him to give you revelation that will change your life because we live in a fast food society. If I can't get it in 30 seconds or less... You owe me something. And a lot of times that's our, that's our attitude with the Father. If we don't get it quick, like, you know, maybe not 30 seconds, but a week. Well, God didn't want me to have it. That's not what the Word says at all. There's things you have to stand for. You have to stay strong on them. God will have you doing that. Now let's look at a, a, a different scripture here. In Job 33, I want you to look at this to see how God speaks. He says this in Job. Can anything good possibly come out of Job? Well, there's a lot of good stuff in Job. There's a lot of good stuff in Job. In Job 33 and verse 8, he says this. Surely thou hast spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the voice of your words speaking. Verse 14, he says, For God speaketh once, yes, twice, yet man perceives it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men in slumberings upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men, and he seals their instruction. Now, if that's not divine revelation. See, if, and if you sit there and say, well, God never speaks to me. You're closing your ears. God speaks. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I don't, give, I don't give a rip. What pastor stands out there and says, well, God, Jesus doesn't speak to people anymore in an audible. Yes, he does. He doesn't always, but he still does. He speaks to us in an audible voice. But he also speaks to us in other ways. He speaks to us in visions, in dreams. All right? He speaks to your spirit because why? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside you. Not a like one. The same one. Amen. 
So if the same one's living in you, you got the same power. Amen. Not, not a like power. Not a cut off the chunk power. You got the same one living in you. Yes. So you have that same ability yes. to do what Jesus did. That's why, that, that's why Satan, when, when he had Jesus crucified, he thought he had him. He thought he had that power harnessed. But then he was raised from the dead. And then he realized, instead of one Jesus, I'm going to have a gazillion Jesuses. So what's, what's Satan doing now? He's battling you. He's, battle, he's in a battle. And you're in a fight whether you know it or not. I know the Word says the battle is the Lord. It is, but he's already got the victory. But you're going to have to enforce it in your life. You have to enforce it. You can't take this stuff laying down. One of the biggest lies Satan has planted in the church, and the church has eaten it up, has created laziness in the body of Christ. You all have heard it. You hear preachers all the time talking about it. You hear people talking about it. God's in control. Now, before you get all heresy on me, yeah, his ultimate plan's coming to pass. But he didn't tell you to eat Wheaties this morning. You did. He didn't tell you to go in that bar last month and sit down and get drunk. You did. Because if he's in control, you wouldn't be doing that thing. So that's a revelation you need to get because what it does is it breeds spiritual laziness. Well, I don't have to pray. Why? God's in control. He's got it all worked out. Well, you just get to heaven a lot sooner than the rest of us because the devil's going to eat your lunch. Jesus, when he looked in the Word as a young, a young child, let's, let's look at a, a few scriptures here. In Psalm 119, he sees himself. Keep in mind, he has to grow. He doesn't know who he is when he's a, a child. As he's growing and he learns to read, he's going through that whole process. He had to learn to read. And then as he read, he would take the Word of God. Something inside him inspired him to take the Word and look at it. And let's look here in Psalm 119, verse 97. It says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through thy commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. We find that was true. His teachers were amazed at what he knew. Where did he get it from? It's in the Word. It's in the Word. And as he read this, there was an expectation, a revelation that came that showed him who he was. See, a lot of times we just think that Jesus showed up and he was the Messiah. He didn't have to do anything. Same, same, same demonic teaching as God's in control. No, he had to grow. He had to spend time in the Word. He says, I understand more than, than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I keep them. 
I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. And he did. I have not departed from your judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, they're, they're sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Says Revelation. He, he, he started to see himself. Go to Isaiah 50. Just like you, you've got to look in the Word. Jesus looked in the Word. And as he studied the Word, he meditated in the Word. As a young child, in the first times he's seen it, it didn't really register. How many times did it take? I don't know. Ask him when you get there. I'm sure God knows. And I think we'll probably be surprised at how many times he did have to go into some stuff. But he looked in the Word and he started to see, this is me. This is me. But see, now the Word speaks today to us, this is you. This is you because of Him. It's speaking to you if you're listening. If you're listening, if you're seeing it, if you're seeing it in the Word, you've got to see the Word. All right? Not just hear it. Yeah, faith comes by hearing. But it operates by speaking. That's how it operates. You can't just sit there and, and listen to, to faith preaching all the time, but you never say nothing. You, you, you're going to be frustrated. And probably you're going to be backslidden because things aren't going to work for you like they do everybody else. And the devil's going to say, see, God hates you. And eventually you'll buy it. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. But faith operates by speaking the word, not just by hearing it. All right. He's seen this in Isaiah 50. You there? Verse four, the Lord hath, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned, as the learned. See, he got a revelation. Father woke him up every morning. And spoke in his ear. He heard it. And he would get revelation that day. That he would have a word to speak. Not to himself. But to somebody that's weary. Mm -hmm. So it's not any surprise that when he came across somebody that needed a word. He had the word. He prophesied this to himself. For years and years and years and years. He spent 30 years practicing. For three and a half years of ministry. And we want to be like him in five. Come on. It's a lifelong thing. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter how long. It's what you're doing with it. God will quicken it and make it faster. But he needs your participation. So he says, verse 5, The Lord God hath opened mine ear, that, that, and I was not rebellious. Neither turned I away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. He's seen in the word he's going to the cross. 
He knew it. That they were going to tear his beard off of his face. That he was going to be tortured. And yet, he, he wasn't rebellious. What would we do in that situation? I don't know about you, but uh, I might have second thoughts. I'm going to do this for somebody else? See, that's flesh. He died in the flesh. Now, how long did it take? I don't know how long it took. But as he looked in the Word, he saw himself. He's seen something going on. Now, let's look at, you know, I said God speaks to us in, in, in dreams too. Go to Psalm 89. Psalm 89, look at this one real quick. I'm going to try to go through some scriptures here pretty fast. Just to get this in, there's a lot here. Psalm 89, verse 19, it says this, Then you speakest in vision to the Holy One. See, it's saying right there in the Word. He speaks to us in a vision. To the Holy, who's that? Jesus. He speaks in a vision to you and me. Why does God speak in visions? Because He can speak in words, but when you're talking about different languages and things like that, if I'm speaking to somebody that doesn't speak the same language and I say dog, they don't know what I'm talking about. But if they say a four-legged creature with fur, you know, furry all over it, they kind of say, that's a dog. And they say it in their language. So he speaks things to you that you can understand easily. It's not deep. It's pretty simple. We'll let man make it complicated. And the devil will have you stealing money from you because you've got to go somebody to interpret your dreams. Come on. There's no scripture to support that. Nothing at all. But he speaks to you in visions. Go with another one here. Psalm 119. Again, we'll go back to Psalm 119, but we're going to look at a different scripture here in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 130, it says this, The entrance of thy words giveth light. <laughs> the entrance of his words. When we see His Word, when we read His Word we, and we see it, it does what? It gives light to us. There's, there's power in His Word. The Word is alive. It's a living thing. And you have to have that revelation because of what the enemy's trying to do to you to steal it from you that you, that you don't perceive it as alive. It is alive. It has life. It gives power to you. It's not just words in a book like some atheist will try to tell you. No, it's power. It's imagery. There's an image when you, when you read the Bible. You get, a, you get a picture. Right? I don't care what you read. If you read the book of Acts... And it's talking about where they cast that devil out of that woman. You know, that kept running around with him saying, these are the men of God. What she was saying was right. But there was something about her. Yeah. I get an image of him finally having enough and turning around saying, come out of her! And her whole career is over with. 
I see something. I see it in there. And that's what the word is saying. It's light. When you go into a room and you flip a switch on, you never see darkness go halfway across the room. It's gone. Light is victorious over darkness every single time. Every single time. Not just part of the, Every single time. The only way darkness has a victory of such is when there is no light. When there's no light, then it has dominion. And that's why you see people with no light in them. And the devil is eating their lunch because they don't have light. But see, you're light givers. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with who? With him. And what's the father going to tell you? He's going to tell you what to say in that situation. What to do. Right? Amen? Amen. Right, right, Brother Greg? Amen. See, that's why Brother Greg, when he, when he goes into a restaurant or wherever he goes, he knows the Lord's. He has an expectation of God speaking to him. He's looking for it. Those of us that are on the shy end, oh, God, don't say that to me. I don't know what I'll do. See, you can get over that. Father, help me. I'll be willing and I'll be obedient. If you say something to me, I'll do it. I will do it. And every now and then, he'll, he'll try you. We was out eating the other night, and the Lord said, buy their dinner. Didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Buy their dinner. I don't even know. I haven't said nothing to him. He said, I didn't ask you to say anything to him. I said, buy their dinner and don't tell them. Okay. Why? Because the goodness of God leads people to repentance. See, it's not always about you. A lot of times it's about him. So he, 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 he'll reveal things, and his word is the entrance of that light. There's power there's signs in that. You know, it talks about that in Corinthians. If we actually look in the mirror, all right, we're changed to be like Him from glory to glory. Because what we're, we're looking in the Word. The Word's the mirror. Yeah. And as we stare in that, we start to see things visually. We see things. So you get this revelation. It'll change everything in your life. It'll change everything because, see, you cannot, the Bible says we do not look at those things which are seen. Why? Because they're wrong. They're temporary. You don't know who put it there until you investigate and you find out usually it's Satan or somebody being stupid. <laughs> I think there's a lot of stupid people out there <laughs> doing stupid things. But see, don't let that change you because that can't stop you. Because the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is living inside me. He's living inside you. Right? So you see, you start to get a revelation here that we're children of the light. In another place in Corinthians, it says that our light will shine. And as the stars in heaven, some are bright some are dim. But see, we're all shining. 
we're all shining. I believe that when we get to heaven, you're going to see people, there are going to be bright stars in heaven. Not so bright stars in heaven. But everybody be shining. Why? Because you got, you got the light of God in you. You know that old, that old song we used to sing, This Little Light of Mine? We need to change it. This big light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. It's not just a little light. It's a big one. So what happens? Things start changing. It starts changing. Go to Mark chapter 9. We and we, I, I talk about this one here. In Mark 9, Jesus and his disciples are coming back from a vision that he has. That's where the transfiguration takes place. It's the, the chapter starts out with the transfiguration. And, you know, on the way back, I think it's Peter says, hey, let us build a couple of temples and we'll, Jesus will build one for you, too. Uh, I bet he wish he had them words back. Yeah, let's build a temple for all of you. And people can come around and just stand at the temple and do nothing and, and think that you're going to touch their lives because they're standing at a temple. No, you worship Him in spirit and truth. But what happens when they get back to town, there's a man here, and he has a son. And the devil has a hold of him. And he's throwing them around. And the disciples, they try to cast the devil out. And they couldn't. They couldn't. In Matthew, it speaks of it. Jesus says, because later on they asked him, why couldn't we cast the devil out? And he said, because of your unbelief. Now, a lot of it has to do with how, how they saw things. They saw this boy with, a, with a, a demonic spirit in him doing all kinds of things, and I believe they got intimidated. They got intimidated. So they tried, and they tried, and they couldn't get him to go. And Jesus comes back. You know... And you have to look at the man, the father, because at this point, he's been putting up with this boy, having this demonic spirit since he's a little kid. So what, when he came there, what little hope he had, had to have been quickly taken away because the disciples, they couldn't get the devil to come out. So he didn't have a lot of hope and belief that this is going to be successful. You know, how many times have you looked at people in your life and you've seen that they seemed like they had a lot of faith because they said a lot of scriptures, they knew scriptures, they knew the word, but nothing ever happened. I remember years ago, I had a brother in the Lord. This is, this is close to 20 years ago. And he, he had been uh, diagnosed with cancer. You know, and at that time I told him, I said, you know, and I, well, it's 15 years ago. Yeah, 15, because we were just starting a church. And I told him, I said, you know, you need to come to Oasis and listen to Pastor Mark. He'll teach you the Word of God. You won't, you won't die. He said, oh, I, I know what the Word says. Okay. I know what the Word says. 
He said, I'm speaking scriptures over myself all the time. I said, okay, all right. But see, something inside me said he needs to come here. I, and I, every now and then I would encourage him, but then I just, after it wasn't too long, I left it alone. And I think, and I, I realized at that time it was the Lord saying, it, it's done. Went up to his hospital room because he was admitted because he was in the last stages of it. And he said, we're believing God for a good report. I said, well, praise God. He said, we're waiting for the doctor to come in. And the doctor came in. And I was sitting across the room, not that far, maybe from here to Brother Greg. And he said, well, Doc, what you got? And he shook his head. No. He said, you mean I need a miracle? He said, that's the only thing going to help right now. Now, one thing I forgot to tell you was when I got there, and the Lord had to quicken this to me, they were making plans for his funeral. So let me ask you, what did he see? What did he see? He saw him dying. Because he's making plans for his funeral. Now, a number of years later, I have another man that I, that I know that got diagnosed with cancer again. Now, he knew John 3.16. That's it. That's all he knew. And I told him, I said, brother, the Lord said, you're not going to die. You're going to live. And I laid my hands on him, cast that spirit out of him. I said, now you're going to live. He said, I believe it. I believe it. And you know what? He lived. He didn't have no scripture. What happened was he saw that I believed God for him and he attached his faith to what I was seeing and he saw himself not dying. He saw himself not dying. See, faith sees the unseen realm. Because the unseen realm, that's eternal. Right? Isn't that what the Word says? Yep. The unseen realm is eternal. And Jesus said in John, I think it's 17, He said, this is life eternal. That they may know you. They may know you. That's life eternal. They have a relationship with you, Father. They have eternal life. It starts right now. Not in the future. Not when I get to heaven. Right now. Right now. You've got to see things. If, if what you have in your life going on, whatever negative thing it is, if you look at that situation... And when you close your eyes at night, you still see that situation. You're not in faith. Don't fool yourself. You're not in faith. You've got to see it changed. You have to see it changed. We're coming up on almost a year. It'll be a year in December. I went to the doctor. I had a spot on my arm. 
And the nurse said, well, we need to take that off and take a look at it. We'll call you three weeks. Two days later, they called. Michael, you need to get in here. You've got malignant melanoma. This is the worst kind of cancer you could ever get. It's the worst. All right. So I go in. They set me up with a doctor. Now, what did I do? I started throwing scriptures at this thing? No. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Not at all. I went and listened to what the doctor had to say. It's around Christmas, right after, between Christmas and New Year's. Doctor told me what they would do, and this is what could happen afterwards, blah, 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 blah. And, and, of course, they want me to do all these other drugs. And I said, not going to happen. You have to. You have to. It's the protocol. Not with me. Because God did tell me to. So I go home. And I said, okay, Father. I praise you. I worship you. Spent some time worshiping the Father. I said, Father, I know there is no doubt in my mind you did not do this. You did not do this. So either the devil solely did this by himself or I left the door open. And I'm willing to say I probably left the door open. So I waited a few minutes. Well, it said, Michael, I told you a while back to start looking to go full-time in the ministry, and you haven't done anything. You haven't prepared anything. You haven't looked. You haven't prayed. You haven't talked to me about it at all. I said, you're right. I, I, I asked for forgiveness. I repent. He said, there was a couple other things you haven't been doing. You, ha you haven't been spending enough time in the Word. So, you're right. I can't remember the third thing because it, at that point it wasn't important. The biggest thing was what he said. The biggest thing that hit me was I hadn't prepared to go full-time in ministry because I was looking on the size of the congregation. God don't give a rip about how many people you got in the pews. If he's called you to preach... He'll supply the people when it's time. So I repented. And I just stayed there for a few minutes worshiping him, praising him. He said, Michael, in 30 days this will all be gone. I said, well, thank you, Father. Thank you. So January 17th comes and I go in for my surgery and they take a big chunk out of my arm. About the size of a shark bite. And uh, said, we're sending everything off, and we'll get the results back in a few days. The results come back in a few days. I said, we can find absolutely no cancer in your body. Amen. I had to go to the dermatologist, and she ran some special tests she calls a Castle Report. If you're a doctor, maybe you might know about it. The Castle Report come back, and it said, I am the least likely to have this ever show up again in my life. Now, after the Lord had me repent, I, that's when I then took the scriptures. Let me back up a little bit. When, he had, when I repented, 
And he said, in 30 days, this will be gone. I took the scripture. I took the word. and said, now, listen, devil. God sent his word and he healed me. You listen good and clear. I'm going to live and I'm not going to die. Besides, I'm not ready to go yet. And I'll tell you, be honest with you, there was a moment there where I thought, you know, just a moment, but I quickly put that down. See, you, you, you dwell on some of these things too much. You, you'll, have, you'll have your heart set on heaven, and you'll leave. What you got your heart set on, what you see happening in your life, the vision that you have, that's what's going to come to pass. So let's get back to Jesus and the, and, and the old man and, and the son. The old man looks at Jesus and he says, if you can have compassion on us, do something. Do something. Now, is this man, is this man expecting Jesus to heal him? No. There's, there's nothing that indicates he's expecting Jesus. Because he's frustrated the disciples couldn't do anything. He's watched this for years. For years, he's seen his son traumatized by this demon and had doctors tell him, there's nothing we can do. What little hope he had when he came to the disciples, that ended there because they couldn't do anything. But then Jesus looks at him and he says, If you can believe, all things are possible. And when he said that, something went off in that man. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That was enough. Why? Because the faith that was needed was this man. His son didn't have any faith. He, he's possessed by a devil. The man was the one that had the faith. He was standing in the gap, even though he didn't know it. And when Jesus looks at him and tells him that, he says, if you can believe, it's condition. That word if is conditional. This whole thing is predicated on your answer to this question. You answer wrong, this puppy's getting shut down. You answer wrong, it's getting shut down. That was the one thing the Lord spoke to me when they told me, this is the absolute worst cancer you could get. Like, there's a good one? Right. <laughs> really? And God spoke to me at that moment. He said, Michael, you better watch your words. You better watch what you say. I did. I zipped my lip till I heard from heaven. And Jesus cast that, that devil out of that boy. Why? Because the father believed. Because the father believed. Right? One more in closing. Mark 11, 23. Let's go there. Is there any way, brother, you could put that up on, on, on the screen or is that too much? I know that's short notice, but Mark eleven twenty three. 
I want people to see this. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. You just speak it, it'll be moved. Is that what he said? No, he didn't. He didn't say just speak it. See, speaking it ain't going to do you any good. He said, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and you not doubt in your heart. What's that word doubt mean? It means to have a double standard. In your heart. In your heart, not in your head. Brother Hagin said one time, he said, it's possible for you to have doubt in your head, but have faith in your heart. So if you don't doubt in your heart, that what you say, you believe it, and we could say it this way. But you shall see that those things which He says shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Because why? You see it. You see it coming to pass. You see the mountain in your life moving. You see it. It doesn't matter what your head says. It's what your heart sees. So you see it. You see what the Word of God, because the, the entrance of His Word is divine light. And it, it causes, it forces things to change. That's why Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven prefers violent taking. And those that are violent take it by force. You're going to have to be aggressive. It's not you're trying to pull something away from God. He's talking about how, the, how heaven operates here on earth. It encourages violent taking. So when you, see, when you speak to the mountain, you, there's no doubt in your heart. You, you command it to be moved and cast into the sea. It's gone. That's the kind of power that you have. That's what Satan is fighting you trying to keep you away from your relationship with your Heavenly Father so He cannot give you divine revelation so you can really see what's going on. So that when you go to pray, you're like a lot of other people. They just, well, if I throw enough prayers, if I get on social media and I get all my brothers and sisters out on social media to pray, I'll be healed. It's not in the Bible. And there's absolutely no faith. And every time I see somebody doing that on social media, I say, Lord, send somebody to them that knows about faith. And yeah, you might say, well, I know people that did that and they got healed. That's because somebody praying had faith that was connected to them. They knew how to pray. They knew how to intercede. Glory to God. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.